Uh, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, um, uh, Muppets Christmas Girl. Oh, my kids Ooh. love that one too. Yeah. That one's a good yeah, that's, one. That's my classic. Got to give a hat tip to Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. That's one of my old favorites. Ooh, Disney's Christmas Carol. So like mid 80s Disney Christmas Carol is really good. Uh, and then, of course, Charlie Brown Christmas. All those. These, those are my must haves. Welcome to Hold On, a podcast for people we love. And that's probably you. My name's Chad Poe. And I'm Lydia McMillan. We're so glad you're here. So, Chad, what's the word? Our word is Advent, as in anticipate, to anxiously wait for. And we are concentrating right now on the theme of peace. Friends, we are so thankful you listen week after week. Please give us a peaceful review on Apple Podcasts. See what I did there, Chad? Subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars only. We will wage war against your soul if you give us anything less than that. All right. And if you haven't already, go over to wherever you podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, the like, and check out my new podcast. There's no place like Hallmark for the holidays. <laughs> How's that treating you, Lydia? I've been watching a lot of great films. I've also been watching a lot of not so great films. So in the scheme of things, five golden rings being the rest. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer being the worst. I would say I'm in a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> hey, friends, if you're a pastor, youth pastor, Bible teacher of any sort, I would love for you to participate in what is called Throughline Cohorts. We sit down, we work together through sermon preparation, presentation, and proclamation. I would be happy to sit down with you and think through effective ways to communicate uh, the good news of Jesus better. Lydia, we are in the second week of Advent. We are in the season of the year where we're thinking about Christmas and what it means and why it means it. Are you ready for Christmas? We are almost there. So while my parents were in town for Thanksgiving, we celebrated Christmas with them. That was exciting. Uh, we have our Advent calendars. We are ready. It's December 1st. If you're listening to this on the actual day we release, all the good things are happening. We're extra excited and anxious in anticipation of all that Advent and Christmas brings. Are you and your boys and Elsie doing anything to prepare for Christmas? Are you in Advent right now? Yeah, so we've got... The expectant one, we're going to do that as our Advent devotional with the kids. We also each have our own Advent calendars. I have chocolates. Elsie's got a Barbie Advent calendar. All the gifts have been purchased and wrapped. I've even mailed all of our Christmas cards. We done, people. Now I can enjoy December. You know what I'm saying? Because there's like all of that go, 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 go. And all the things you got to knock out on your list. And I feel so free right now. Your list is knocked out. Yeah. All done. Yes. Mama said to knock you out. Oh, she did. She knocked out the list. <laughs> what about y'all? <laughs> well, we're not quite there, but we're moving in that general direction, which is yeah, yeah. helpful uh, at church. We just finished our first week of Advent. Hope 
moving towards the idea of peace this coming Sunday. I'll be in the Nashville area doing a wedding this coming weekend. So good time. Lydia, when we talk about Advent and we talk about Christmas and what takes place between the two, one of my childhood favorite things when I would consider Christmas was when did I get to start drinking eggnog? You know, we bumped everything mm. back. Mm. Now you can buy Christmas stuff in July and not for the <laughs> not, not the ironic part of Christmas in July, but for actual Christmas because they are already getting us uh, seasoned and ready. Yeah. But one of my favorite things is eggnog. I love it. I've always loved it. I love to talk about it. I love to think about it. Eggnog is the best. And I have some eggnog trivia for you. Your first question is about eggnog. Eggnog consists of what? What is ma- what is it made up of? Eggs. Nog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um is there I feel like there also needs to be like some dairy and like a milk of some sort or something that I, I would say those are the three. Oh, sugar, tons of sugar, please. And thank you. Milk or cream, beaten eggs and sugar. Wow. Most recipes will also call for the addition of alcohol, such as rum or whiskey. Okay. All right. Now we know what that nog means. Do you know the date of National Eggnog Day? Um, okay. So I'm, I'm guessing it has to be in December because tis the season. I'm guessing it's probably not the 25th. I'm probably going to go with like December 7th, the 24th. Whoa. I would think that's the night where we drink the most eggnog. Mm, Okay. Okay. True or false. Eggnog is available in most U.S. stores between mid-November to January only. True. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Especially since the date on it. you got to watch the date. Sometimes they put the eggnog in there. I've done this before with Purity at Publix where I was buying some and it was past the date. And I was very surprised because I was like, no, we, we need it to go through the end of December. But apparently it was some early nog. So, yikes. Last year at the Starbucks Kroger by our house, they w- they kept eggnog as long as they had it on the shelf. But this year they chose not to have eggnog in their drinks, and I don't appreciate this. Uh, do you know that eggnog at one point in the history of the United States of America caused a riot? What? Why? In 1826, the United States Military Academy was not, uh, that Christmas was not peaceful. It started with a party fueled by eggnog spiked with whiskey that cadets smuggled into the academy. It ended with broken windows, gunshots, one knocked out lieutenant, and lots of damaged property. 20 cadets were court-martialed, and the event was thereafter known as the eggnog riot. Oh, my stars. I need you to know that that probably was not caused by eggnog but by whiskey. (laughs) Yeah. Eggnog would never behave that poorly. Eggnog is an innocent bystander Uh, in that predicament. True or false? Eggnog will cure a sore throat. I'm going to say false because, okay. I did learn when I was a kid, somebody said that like eating marshmallows would help a sore throat. And I don't, I think it pacifies it, but it doesn't like completely heal it. So I would say no. 
according to foodandwine.com, which eggnog is evidently both of, <laughs> the answer is true, sort of. No, there's, sort there is a Russian Yiddish version of the drink. It's called mm. Kogel Kogel. It's made with egg yolks, sugar, and rum. It's served hot, and it is used as a remedy for sore throats. Oh, my goodness. Wow. The more you know. Well, which United States president is famous for serving eggnog? Famous. So, like. It was part of his deal. He was an eggnog. The eggnog president, if you will. Whoa. Okay. I don't know of any recent presidents in my lifetime that were famous for eggnog. Um, and I don't think it's as old as like, maybe it is as old as our country, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's somebody in the middle that no one talks about like, uh, Eisenhower (laughs) or like a, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt type of deal where he just hit it in his heart. You think no one talks about Franklin Delano Roosevelt? No, I'm saying that, (laughs) that, that he didn't, they didn't talk about his nog loving until later in life. After he passed. George Washington. According to Kitchen Records. I know that throws us back. According to. According to Kitchen Records from Mount Vernon. President Washington served an ultra boozy eggnog to guests. Is that what caused his like deteriorating uh, teeth? You know, because he had like wooden teeth or something, right? Would you blame that on the eggnog? I don't think the sugar helped. I'm pretty Mm. sure that the whiskey didn't help. So I'm not sure. Lydia, more than anyone that I know, you are a huge fan of Advent. And this week we're talking about the notion of peace. Is What comes to mind when you think about God being our peace, providing peace for us? Well, I mean, when I hear the word peace during the season, I immediately think of like silent night, holy night, all is calm. And I just think that is not accurate at all if anyone has had a child or animals they know children are not peaceful they are screaming crying when they are newborn all the time they are hungry they need to change nappy they are frustrated all the things i cannot fathom being married during that time and joseph in a stable with animals and all of these things not so peaceful But in the scheme and realm of the entire story, he grows up, he becomes a man. And I mean, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and you get prince of peace. And so within the context of that and what his purpose was to come to the world, then I'm like, okay, the grander scheme, the bigger picture, the gospel and why he has come is to be our peace, is to be our rest, especially in this season. Absolutely not. So it's great to take time to really remember why we're here and what we're doing as Christians, because there are times where I feel like I am just sucked into that moment of the screaming baby crying and the changing the diapers and the, all the nuts of it. And I forget about peace, honestly, in, in everything. Well, we misunderstand the words, it seems like, with hope last week and our 
time with Dan Darling, we've almost misunderstood it and taken the idea of hope to mean get or wish. There's no, there's no waiting. Mm. And when we begin to talk about the idea of peace, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be calm all the time. As a matter of fact, you referenced that passage in the, probably the primary prophecy of Jesus from Isaiah. It reads, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. The, domin- the dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of King David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. I do believe that it's important for those who follow Jesus to see that we don't really belong to this world, that we belong to Jesus who made this world. We should care for it because he made it. We should be attempting to bring peace to uh, situations that are full of harshness and calamity, and that we should remind people of the good news of Jesus as we interact on a daily basis. This week, we have a special guest. His name is Scott James. Lydia, he's a real-life doctor. You could tell he was a real-life doctor, infectious disease doctor, Mm -hmm. pediatric doctor. He also wrote a book on Advent. He's in Birmingham, and I believe that this interview is incredibly fun. You'll enjoy him. All right, let's check it out. Hey guys, we're here today with Scott James. Scott, one of our hold on traditions, not just a Christmas tradition, but an altogether tradition is to have you introduce yourself, but I'm going to give you a word that you need to incorporate in that introduction. Are you ready? Yeah. Your word is coal, C-O-A-L. C-O-A-L, coal. All right. Um. Hey, it's good to be on with you guys. I'm Scott James. Uh, I, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, my wife, Jamie, and I uh, have four kids, uh, kind of 10 through 16 age ranges. So we're sort of uh, running the gap in the middle school, uh, late elementary school, high school ages. Um, I am one of the pastors at the church at Brook Hills. Uh, I uh, am also uh, a pediatric infectious diseases physician. So it's been a busy couple of years for me. Um, I love uh, family worship and uh, just helping families find ways to, to just sort of be in the word with their children, whether it's through stories or just devotionals or just anything I can do to help make that more accessible. So uh, as a kind of an outflow of my own ministry in my home and in my local church, the Church of Brook Hills, uh, I love to write for families. I love to write for kids. Um, and so I have a few books that uh, are in that vein. Just It's real basic, just trying to help families get into the word and, and have good gospel conversations uh, with, with their kids. And I think that's important because uh, I think kids need to understand that just at, uh, at heart, we, we have a problem with sin. Sin has turned our heart black as coal, and we need a light shining in the darkness. Uh, we, we need God's grace to kind of pour into our lives and draw us to himself. So I'm just looking for ways to help families uh, in any way possible point to, point to Jesus, point to uh, the, the hope that we have uh, in Christ. Love it. Yeah, and you did a fantastic Brilliant. job. Uh, <laughs> that was a three-pointer. Okay. Uh, 
we love to talk about your favorite stuff. And with it being Christmas season, we want to ask you some of your favorite Christmas things. This section is called, these are a few of my favorite things. We're not very creative. All right. So first one off the bat, what is your favorite Christmas song? Do I only get one? Just one. No, (laughs) stop as many as he wants. No rules. Chad says yes. Um, (laughs) My absolute favorite, definitely going to be O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That's, that's, uh, if I only get one, that's, that's my jam. I like, that is my Advent hymn. I think it sets the tone. It, uh, yeah, I love it. Are you like a pre Thanksgiving Christmas listener or do you have to wait till December one? What's your listening? Very, uh, I'm not a pre Thanksgiving listener. I'm very staunch. Uh, mm. Thanksgiving, the latter part of Thanksgiving day is when the, fest, the, the the Advent and Christmas season usher in. Uh, so we'll, in my home, we'll usually, uh, amidst the eating and the feasting and the uh, Thanksgiving, we uh, kind of, towards the end of that day, begin breaking out some of the Christmas decorations and some of the music and that sort of stuff. So I got, Thanksgiving's got to have its thing. And then, and then, then I'm ready to unleash the floodgates. So you wait <laughs> to anticipate. I like that. I like what ah, yes. there. There we go. Yes. What's the world's worst Christmas song? It can be, it doesn't have to be Christian. We would, I would, all the Christian ones are good, but Um, are there any that you just hate? Well, I mean, my kids somehow discovered that hippopotamus Christmas song. (laughs) And I don't know that I would have like a, a disdain or a loathing for it, but just at baseline, but I like, they sing it a lot, like too much. Uh, So I, I hear it sort of over and over. Um, so I guess that gets a little bit old. It's horrible. It's a weird song. Yes, it's weird. It's almost like that baby shark. Do, 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 do. It ain't got a Christmas version. <laughs> it's an earworm. Is there a, seriously, there's a Christmas version of baby shark? Oh, there's Christmas. There's Halloween. There's Valentine. Don't, oh. my daughter's two. My youngest, she's two. And she's very into baby shark right now. So they have yeah. a lot of variations on the theme, if you will. That's disconcerting. Yes. Yes. So we, we kind of steer away from all of that. I make a playlist just for Christmas and I'm picking songs that I like that I want them to like too. No. Yeah. See, that's my theory as parents, like we have so much influence over what our kids think is good. And so I like for all that thing, whether it's TV or books or movies or music, uh, it's like, yeah, if I think it's garbage, my kid's not listening to it. Sorry. Like they can grow yeah. up and become independent on their own and discover bad music if they like. But in my house, <laughs> if I don't want to listen to it, if my wife doesn't want to listen to it, we're not listening to it. Like we have never yes. been taken hostage by some kind no of way. Uh, kid, kids thing that is uh, driving you crazy because it doesn't pass. We the- have not introduced well. them to kids bop at all. Like I'm like, we are never <laughs> going there. Never. <laughs> Anti-bop. They are anti-bomb. Okay, Scott, this is a major question for someone who is in the in the life bracket that I believe you and I are. Uh, what is your easy tiger? What is your easy hippo? Uh, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, um, uh, Muppets Christmas Girl. Oh, my kids love that one too. That one's a good one. That's my classic. Got to give a hat tip to Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. That's one of my old favorites. Ooh, Disney's Christmas Carol. So like mid 80s Disney Christmas Carol is really good. Uh, and then, of course, Charlie Brown Christmas. All those. These, those are my must haves. And Elf. Garfield. Garfield. Do you Christmas. work Elf in? 
Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Elf is a family favorite. Elf strong. 20. Yeah. I, it's, I think it's 20 years old this year. Is that right? Maybe 19. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's wow. the aforementioned old. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one's, yeah. We haven't done that one. Uh, we were going to watch it last night, but we didn't get to it. We we're going to do it tonight. I think, you know, a new favorite uh, is on Netflix. It's called Klaus. It's an animated film that came out three years ago. Uh, and it is so good as it it's fun and hilarious and, and it has a lot of heart to it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of an origin story. One of those Santa Claus origin stories, uh, but it's called Klaus and it's legit good. We have a list. So we'll make a list of all the films we want to watch and then we'll start marking them off. And then the kids will be like, can we go watch that one again? And I'm like, of course, yes. yes. I'm not going to say no to Christmas movies. Yes. <laughs> all right. Christmas candy or cookie or sweet treat. Um, so when I was growing up, I'm a cookie guy. I love me some cookies. My, when I was growing up, my mom, I think she invented this recipe, but she made candy cane cookies. She would take two different types of dough. She would flavor them differently. And one would be red and one would be white. And we would like, you know, intertwine them and make the shepherd's hook out of them. And, and they baked up, uh, just like amazing little, they look like candy canes and they kind of taste like candy canes. Um, so that was my favorite growing up, uh, it's a lot of work though, and I'm lazy. So I have not brought that tradition into my home. Um, my wife, however, kind of captured some of that essence. And so my favorite current Christmas cookie is my wife's, um, she basically does a like a, a chocolate chip candy cane cookie. So it's chocolate chips, her own, she's got a, a, her own little cool recipe. Uh, and then she basically just like takes a bunch of candy canes and whacks them with a hammer and throws them in. And it's amazing. That sounds really wise. She, You married a very wise woman. I like what she's doing there. Scott, for your family, are there any sentimental ornaments, your favorite decoration that you make sure, oh, this, this is the one? We have a whole, our whole tree is full of sentimental ornaments. Uh, and, and it's a, uh, it's a really stiff competition because if it's not a sentimental ornament, like it gets tossed, like we don't, we don't keep them. Um, so my wife and I have kind of a collection of uh, ornaments from our own childhoods that we sort of brought into the home when we got married. Uh, and, and, and thankfully they have survived over the years. So each, when we decorate, we decorated uh, Friday, the, so the Friday after Thanksgiving. Um, and, and so each person kind of takes their turn putting their own sentimental ornaments on. And we were actually just sort of laughing about uh, typical of older child versus younger child. Our oldest kid has like dedicated ornaments each year for like the first, you know, six, seven years of his life. And our younger child has like two ornaments that like she handmade. <laughs> like, we're, we're terrible. Poor youngest kid. <laughs> you have two kids? We have four kids. We have four too. That's so many humans. It is a very busy situation. All right. Now, look, we're about to give you one of our favorite sections is called this or that. We're about to throw out some things and just have you pick between this, this or that. And if you don't like either one, feel rapid fire. Rapid fire. Ready? All right. Here we go. Feel free to talk about it if you'd like. We won't. Okay. Yeah. You can give us a little explanation, especially if you choose neither. Yes. (laughs) Coffee or cider both uh coffee if you're gonna make me pick one i'm a big coffee guy uh i like the coffee uh and i'm i i guess i the way i my coffee taste is like i am a coffee nerd and i have all kinds of coffee rigs you can probably see back behind me in my office i have a coffee rig in my in my my, uh office at work at the hospital here uh and so i can be like a big coffee snob but i've also had enough bad hospital coffee 
like on all these, you know, night shifts and stuff that I can drink any cup of Joe that you put in front of me and be fine with it. So I'm, I'm like very much of a, I, I think there's a place for being a coffee snob, but if you can't just have a regular cup of Joe, then I think you got problems. Yes. Yes. All right. Next question. Gators or elephants? Well, duh. Uh, gators. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you're in Birmingham. I, while we're recording, you... <laughs> I, I'm a Vol fan, so oh, no. yeah, it's <laughs> hard knock life. Uh, but I watched the end of that game. Alabama people, man, y'all, y'all are something special. So, with your so now, here's a question though: football or baseball? Or do you have I'm a preference? A to the- oh, I'm a big baseball guy. Baseball is my sport. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I went to the University of Florida. Probably just abandoned, like uh, uh, ostracized myself from a majority of your listeners. But I went to the University of Florida. I'm from Florida. Uh, that's where my wife and I met. So it's a very special place for me. Uh, so gators for sure uh, over whatever animal question you would care to ask. And uh, baseball. I mean, I love I love all kinds of sports, uh, but I'm, I'm a baseball dude. So you're a gator. Yeah, man. Actually, wearing- if, it, if I can in, uh, engender, I don't know, either some spite or some empathy. I grew up a vol. So my dad went to UT. So I grew up a Tennessee Vol, like Andy Kelly to Carl Pickens was my jam way back in the day. Uh, and that. so that was, that was, I was a diehard Tennessee Vol. But then I, I lived in Florida. So it's like, where am I going to go to college? I went to UF. Um, and, you know, a week on to, I stepped foot onto campus and I was like, I'm going to stay a Tennessee Vol. And then like a week later, I'm like, I hate the Vols. Go Gators. Can you confirm or deny if you're wearing jorts right now? Will you let us know? Wearing what? Jorts. Those. Oh gosh, that's such a lame stereotype. <laughs> Listen, if you're gonna, it's so not true. Like if you're gonna like pick on the Gators, like go Jersey Shore or something like that. Like like trying to call UF the a redneck school is like just nuts. Like we're we're the Jersey Shore <laughs> of the SEC. That I will accept. But like we're <laughs> we're not a redneck school. <laughs> Do you feel good about the new head coach? Uh, cautiously optimistic. All right, I like to hear that. Okay, you've mentioned some of your loves, Garfield or Charlie Brown? Garfield. I'm a huge Garfield fan. Garfield was uh, – we sh- fun fact, Garfield and I share the same birthday, uh, June 19th. Wow. Yeah, it's me, and it's Garfield, and it's Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and it's John MacArthur. Like, it's just – June 19th is a great day. Uh, so, when I was a kid, when I learned that Garf- – I'm a big comics guy, funny like funny papers, comics, uh, Calvin and Hobbes and all that. I grew up – just always loving the, the funny pages. And uh, so when I learned that Garfield's birthday was June 19th, like I just sort of had some kind of emotional bond there. And so I've been a massive Garfield fan since, since I was like, I don't know, five. That is amazing. All right. Last one in this donuts or scones. Mm, ah, uh, can I be pretentious and say scones? Yes, Ooh. you can. We yes. are very pretentious on this podcast. Yes, yes. I, and I guess it depends on where in England or where in the UK you are. But I, uh, yes, I, I said scone. I like scones. I really love scones. Give me both, to be quite honest. Uh, but uh, scones are fantastic. And we make them like in our home, like we, we, we have a few recipes that we like. And my wife is always buying them. So we love scones. And I had a, a UK friend one time tell me it's actually pronounced scone. It, so I... Is there a place in it. Birmingham where you would take me to get a scone or a donut? <laughs> um, oh, so uh, 
Scone, I don't know. Uh, I don't know of any places in Birmingham that do those well, other than I think we make a pretty mean batch in my house. So I'll, well, you can come over and hang out at my home. Uh, <laughs> we do have donuts galore in Birmingham and they're pretty glorious. There's a new place that opened up, new-ish place that opened up, a, I don't know, six months ago now called Sons Donuts, S-O-N-S, Sons Donuts. Um, just, they're like mini donuts, uh, but they make them fresh. So you order them and they kind of come right up and then you can, there's all kinds of powderings or drizzle sauces or whatever. They kind of uh, make a, just amazing assortment of, uh, of flavors uh, and they're just delicious. Oh, so that's di- donuts in Birmingham. Diabetical options. I like that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> all right, Scott, one of our favorite questions is, especially during the season is if is about reindeer. If you were gifted a reindeer, what would you do with it? You can't sell it. You can't give it away. If I were given a reindeer, I would, this is easy. Uh, I would set it loose in my neighborhood because not just like randomly like to get rid of it. The neighborhood that I live in, in Birmingham, it's a, there's a, it's a, it's a very forested area. And so the kind of there's a, an old development out of my neighborhood's probably, I don't know, 40 years old. It's been here for a while, um, <clears throat> but it's kind of settled nicely in within the forest and the hills and the, the foothills and all that sort of stuff. And we have deer in our neighborhood like crazy. Like you, everyone knows that like you got to go 20 miles an hour through our neighborhood. Otherwise, you're going to hit a deer like five, four times a week. You're going to hit a deer. Um, I mean, I think there's probably uh, we probably have. I don't know, 20 to 30 deer that we regularly see just sort of wandering around our neighborhood and through our yard. It's just awesome. And we keep track of the babies. Like we, we like name the babies and watch them grow up. And he's like, he's a teenager now and that sort of stuff. So I think if, if there were, yeah, it's so great. We're like, we've been in our, this, we moved into this place about three years ago. And still every time there's a deer outside the window, like one of our kids is screaming deer. And we all run and look because it's, we, we don't get bored easily, I guess. Um, but if there were a reindeer just kind of in the mix, like I feel like he would probably be adopted and just sort of assimilate into deer society in suburban Birmingham. Uh, I think that'd be pretty fun. And then eventually, like as he gets older and gets married to another deer, like he would probably marry one of those other deer and you would have these reindeer deer hybrids running around. That would, think, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, think, I don't. I don't know much about deer husbandry, but that I like the prospects here. I'm assuming they wouldn't be able to fly, but they could jump really far. That's how you, the, the middle ground of the two. That's it. That's it. That's perfect. Do, so you, do you have a reindeer? So when you think through Donner, Blitzen, the whole kit and caboodle, is there one that you, you like the best? Do you have a favorite of those reindeer? Um, Clarice is pretty cool. Uh, I don't even uh, know him. Okay, great. No, it's it's a girl. Yeah, Clarice is the girl reindeer in the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The the old uh, Rankin and Bass stop motion Rudolph is one of my favorite Christmas shows. So sweet. Clarice is always a favorite of mine. Mostly because, let's be honest, like almost everyone in that special is just an idiot or a jerk (laughs) or it's like so it's such a weird special and I don't know why it's endearing, but it is. But like Santa Claus is a flat out bully. Uh, all yep. the reindeers, like it's not just like they never let poor Rudolph play any reindeer games. Like, no, like they're straight up tormenting this dude. Um, so true. And so it's like this cast of characters that are all like pathologically insane. And yet like Clarice is kind of like 
a calming presence amidst it all. She's, she's, she keeps her head throughout the whole thing and deals with the crazy people. Uh, so I've always admired her, her, yeah, I like her that. stableness. I like that. We've <laughs> never had anybody say Clarice, so that's never. First. No. Yeah, all right. I, got, I have, I have a stuffed Clarice at home. We have a, a several Rudolph figures. I have a whole shelf of, in my Christmas decorations of, of the whole Rudolph. Every character from that show gets a special space on one of my bookshelves. Uh, oh, well, clear, clear of, up there. Speaking of reindeer and reindeer games, do you have favorite games you like to play with your kids? Like, what are games your your family plays? Yeah, we. I I can't say that we're a big board game family, uh, but we dabble uh, here and there, and we really enjoy it when we do. You know, we did the normal stuff kind of growing up, all the uh, Monopoly and Clue and uh, shoots and ladders and that kind of stuff. These days, our kids are old enough now; we can kind of get in some more complicated games our favorite game right now is called wingspan it's a it's a bird game basically so it's like a strategy game but the whole thing is based on uh birds right sounds like like a great way to have a board game uh i would never in my life be interested in it it, unless someone had recommended it to us and we tried it out and it's so fun it's fascinating you basically like uh are are um it's hard to it's hard even to describe. It's it's essentially like a, a, an ornithologist's dream. So like pretend you're all into bird watching and stuff, but then make a strategy game about it, about collecting some and kind of putting them in their appropriate ecosystem and like putting, you collect points by putting eggs on them and just all kinds of stuff. So it's basically a strategy game where you kind of rotate around and turn and you can kind of block people. Uh, so there's, there's all kinds of fun strategy to it, but yeah. If you'd have told me like 10 years We're ago, in. my favorite game would be a bird watching board game. I would tell you that you're crazy, but here we are. And it's awesome. We're in the thick of Candyland right now. So I look forward to the bird games. Yeah. There's light <laughs> at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. We did. We start off with like, um, ticket to ride. It's a strategy mm-hmm. game about railroad building, that sort of stuff. Uh, kids of kids like that game. That's way fun. Now, you mentioned Clarice and how she's your favorite character from that. We, we want to ask about spirit animals. Uh, I'm going to give you some various TV shows, some movies, some uh, genres. And I want you to give me, if you had a full-scale spirit animal, a representation from that movie, who, would, who associates with you the most? The television show, The Office. Um, uh, Creed. I love Creed. Creed, uh, so yeah. weird. Because like, yeah, Creed. Because he, the dude's got no filter, and he's so weird. Uh, and and you know, yeah, that that is me in a lot of ways. So like, most of the time I'm good at like being around people and not being a moron. Um, but sometimes <laughs> if I let my guard down and like my filter's not up, like it's pretty clear that I'm an idiot. Um, so yeah, I can I can relate with Creed. I don't. Th- I don't Very think I have the criminal. I don't have the criminal background that Creed has. Thank you for okay. clarifying. Good. <laughs> what about the cast of Harry Potter? Uh, I would say Hermione, uh, only because she's a massive nerd, and so am I. Yeah, like I no. like books as much as Hermione likes books, and I think that's saying mm. a lot. Like that's a that's a, not a small <laughs> statement. Do you have a favorite of the books? Oh yeah, for sure. Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, one, that one is by far my favorite. 
Oh, by far. That's by now, far. now you're coming strong. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about this. I chat. I thought about this a lot. Uh, <laughs> I love half blood prints. Uh, I love goblet and then probably Azkaban. Yeah. So th- th- at the end of Azkaban is where you see the transition from kids book to uh-huh. uh, we're going somewhere. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why I like it because as much as I loved and was enchanted by the first two books, uh, the third one is kind of where it took the turn into like more profound. Well, you're reading, yes, you're reading dark stories. And I'm mean, the first two there. When you get to three, you're in a, it goes dark. Yeah. Uh, Narnia. Oh, the horse and his boy for sure. Uh, I love that book. I love them all. I really, really love them all. That's yeah. That series is uh, just amazing. And I like kind of reread them all the time. Uh, but the horse and his boy has always been my favorite. Um, there's so, I don't know. There's so many parts about it that I love. Uh, my favorite, my favorite character, one of my favorite characters in all of Narnia is King Loon from the horse and his boy. And he's just, uh, I, I love his, his ethos. He's that, he's that guy who's like, he's, he's, I don't know. I think as a, as a father talking to my sons, one of the things, one of the lines that I have t- taken from that book was kind of a King Loon philosophy of first in, last out, laughing loudest. Is kind of the way, that he, and he's talking about battle. Like, so you saw you enter into war, you're first in, you're the leader, you're the last out, so you're committed to the long haul, and you're laughing loudest. Like, you're you're kind of going with gusto in whatever you do. So that was some some fatherly advice I took from King Loon. Um, so, yeah, Horse and His Boys, good one. What about Disney characters? And that's a whole range of like Marvel Cinematic Universe and Star Wars and Disney Princess, like the whole gamut of all of Disney. What you choosing? So we were in very deep discussion in my home uh, earlier this week, actually, over a very similar question. But we were asking who was the funniest Disney character of all time. And mm-hmm. we ended up settling. It feels weird because it's I don't like new things i like old things so it felt weird that we ended up we landed on olaf from frozen uh (laughs) as the funniest character disney character of all time and i think what triggered it is is they just released that thing where olaf kind of reenacts all the disney movies all the films Uh so good uh narration and those yeah we rolled on the floor laughing at most of those um and so we're trying to think who is funnier than olaf and i think we 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 landed on no one uh so Olaf would be the funniest. Uh, I, my personal favorite Disney character of all time is is Belle from Beauty and the Beast, uh, because book reader Hermione. Book reader. Yeah, book. it's just mm. she has. I've yeah, like her her persona, her philosophy, her her book love uh, has always been my that that has always yeah. I've always just latched to her. Like she's the best for sure. And if you're like ever asking like princess specific questions, uh, like bell like far away scott we uh have loved having you on with us and you've written a book about advent can you tell us a little bit about that and then we want you to share with us specifically about the concept of peace that we find during the advent season certainly yeah so i love advent uh i think i look at advent as uh, kind of a, a season that you stake out before the christmas celebration so if you kind of think through Advent as the season of preparation, the season of building anticipation and expectation, uh, it's, it's kind of like the fast before the feast. So if you spend like all December or heck, these days people start in like mid-October. If you spend this like extended period of time, just like pure celebration, partying, Christmas, 
you kind of get sick of it after a while. Like you can only party for so long. Sorry. Uh, so like this season of preparation before the feast is a, a concept that I think is scriptural and I think is uh, a way that in church history people have kind of approached seasons of uh, celebration and feasting. Uh, and so Advent, uh, when my kids were younger, I really kind of started to think about how to shepherd them wisely towards a, a, like a, a good understanding of what Christmas is and, you know, all of the keeping Christ in Christmas and that sort of stuff. Um, and, and so we started doing Advent. I didn't like grow up doing Advent, so it wasn't something I was raised in. Uh, and, and so I, we, we, we started basically just doing family worship where, where we would spend time um, throughout December looking at passages from the Old Testament where that were pointing forward to Christ and not just like the baby in the manger kind of prophecies, but sort of a, a very multifaceted, well-rounded um, view of who Christ would be. So kind of all of his different roles, prophet, priest, and king, um, the type of life he would live, the, the sacrificial death he would die on our behalf, his resurrection, his, his eternal reign, like all of these things were, were promised uh, in the Old Testament beforehand. Uh, and so I was just trying to give my kids kind of a well-rounded uh, view of the coming Messiah leading up to Christmas. Um, so I kind of kind of curated a bunch of passages that, that sort of reflected those themes. And uh, uh, we initially just had them on index cards and I just kind of would flip through them and we would read the passages together. Um, and then one night I was uh, at, on call at the hospital. So I was overnight at the hospital uh, and I was touching base with my wife uh, late at night. And, uh, <laughs> and she said, look, uh, if you would like us to do these while you're away at the hospital, you need to like write some explanation on these verses because <laughs> she's like, <laughs> We, we read the day's verse and I looked up at the kids and I was like, I don't know what he means by this. Like, I don't know how this connects to Christ, <laughs> but I took her wise advice, uh, which has been a good practice in my life is to take my wife's wise advice. And so I wrote out like just little explanations and kind of devotional thoughts to go with it, kind of trace the thread of Christ through the Old Testament uh, as we prepare for Advent. Um, we started using that at our local church in Brook Hills. This was like a, a while ago, and then it ended up getting kind of published for a wider audience uh, as a book called The Expected One. So it's a kind of a daily devotional, 25 days leading up to Christmas, uh, just helping families gather together and, and kind of uh, in a simple and accessible, yet hopefully profound, because it's the word of God, um, uh, engage their kids with the word of God as they uh, are preparing their hearts for Christmas. And then it kind of culminates on Christmas morning with a, a great celebration of how God is faithful and keeps his promises in the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, so you kind of unleash the celebration at the end. So the expected one, it, it came out a few years ago and was just, I was so pleased uh, and honestly surprised by the reception. It uh, uh, Just a lot of churches and a lot of families were, um, blessed by it and, and enjoyed engaging in it. And so um, B&H reached out, uh, oh, I guess, a year or so ago and, and said, we'd like to do a second edition. And so we spruced it up. I kind of tweaked a few little things here and there, no, no massive changes, uh, added some prayer prompts and some things like that that could kind of help a family yeah. um, sort of engage <clears throat> scripture and, and, and kind of have spiritual conversations even more. Um, and then they got a guy named Stephen Crotz, who's a remarkably good designer and illustrator. Uh, he does like wood carvings and just all kinds of amazing stuff. He's brilliant. And so they, um, they, they got him to kind of design it and do the cover, which is just, just, I um, could not even have imagined how beautiful he could make it. And it, it's exceeded all expectations. So, um, it's a, just a beautiful book and re-released this year as the expected one, second edition. That's awesome. awesome. Now, when we're, as we're focusing on Advent, 
what does peace mean to you at, during this season, during this time? Um, and any words that you can give our listeners regarding peace? Yeah, peace, I think, is um, so much of the Advent narrative is Israel in a time of tumult, Israel in a time of trial and tribulation, exile. Uh, so, so many of the, the um, uh, passages that we're used to hearing that are kind of messianic passages from the Old Testament that are talking about like a savior will come like, to you, a child will be born. Um, <clears throat> his name shall be called Emmanuel. You know, all of these, this, the Prince of Peace is coming. You got to understand that those are being spoken to a people who are actively suffering in exile, who are actively lost and wandering, actively, um, uh, yeah, just sort of far away from God. And these are promises of God saying, I, I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to bring you through this. I'm going to kind of, my, my remnant will gather back and I will keep my promises. Uh, the Savior will come. He, he will deliver you. You are now lost in exile. Uh, I've not forgotten you. I'm going to bring you back and I will give you peace. So um, Advent, I think at its heart, is uh, acknowledging the fact that we, like the Israels who are lost in exile, we also live in a, uh, a not peaceful time, right? So there, there is much strife and conflict, um, and the world is against us. The world is against Christ in a, in a fundamental way. And, and so we as Christians, uh, we've got to navigate that, right, with grace, uh, but, but also with um, kind of a, a gospel-driven stamina where, where we can uh, be a light sh shining in the darkness and we can uh, stand up uh, and, and stand firm in the faith in the midst of a shifting world around us. Um, so we're in very unpeaceful times, uh, and, and an Advent promise is that the shepherd of peace is coming. The shepherd of peace has come already, and he brings peace to us who are in him. So even in the midst of the tumult that's around us, we have contentment and peace uh, that just surpasses understanding in Jesus Christ. Um, but then also pointing forward, if God has been faithful and has answered every single promise that he's ever given us, and the biggest one was a savior will come. And if we know for a fact that he has answered that promise and that the savior has come in the first advent, we now sit on this side of the cross and we say, there's still more promises coming. I'm waiting for him to return. He has promised a second advent. And so mm. all of the past faithfulness God has given us, all of the peace that I have from knowing that my hope is in a trustworthy God, I can now put that into application in my current life as I look forward to the coming of Christ. And I say, he's been faithful in the past, and I know he's going to be faithful in the future. And, and so that peace is something that I have uh, just sort of casting forward into the years beyond what I can see. And so I, I know that there are uh, promises coming down the pike still that are going to blow my mind. Uh, and, and God has promised and God is faithful. And that that ultimately is peace in the midst of a crazy mixed up world. Mm, such a good word. I am so thankful that you have been here with us. I actually purchased the expected one and we're going to be doing it with my kids. They're so excited. We keep it in my boys room. They're six and five. And they're like, are you stealing our Advent devotional? And I was like, no, no, no. I'm just going to go talk to the guy who wrote it. I'll bring it back to your room. I'm so sorry. But we're, we're very excited to go through it. And I just love how it breaks it down for families and children's and parents as we go through this entire Advent season. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm so grateful that you're doing it. Uh, tell your guys I said hi, and I, I hope they love it. And really, yeah, I, I just, I hope that it sparks really good gospel conversations. That's kind of my underlying prayer. Whatever, uh, 
whatever is in there, there's at least scripture each day. And that in and of itself is powerful and it's going to hopefully drive some good conversations. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. This has been fun. We are so grateful to have Scott James with us and just to be able to talk about, I mean, our favorite season, as well as one of his Christmas and Advent, go check out his book, The Expected One, and go follow him on all the socials. And if you don't already go visit us, we are at Hold On Podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Hold On Pod on Facebook. We also have our Facebook group. So come check us out there. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thanks to our friend Megan at Megan's Mickey Dream Vacations. Megan is a fantastic human who will help to meet all of your needs when it comes to Orlando, Florida. She also has a video that should go viral from losing her mind at the Alabama-Auburn game, and we may share that on our social medias as well. We will see you guys next week. Bye.